chill morning record session yeah some coffee mine's way over there i can't we um i'll post this on our social media (laughs) but we have a a device it's the the pickleless cage mug it's the best mug yeah it's uh it's what it sounds like it's (sighs) nicholas cage as a pickle with the writing Pickles Cage, a very low res, low res image. Yeah. Welcome to Cage Off, a Nicholas Cage podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to finally answering the question what is the best Nicholas Cage film? And what is the best Nicholas Cage film? You can let us know on Twitter at Cage Off Podcast. Um, you can also email us at cageoffpodcast at gmail.com. No one's ever emailed us before. Your mom emailed us. Oh, that's yeah, that's true. Okay, listen. <laughs> the only email we've ever received on our very professional email address, cageoffpodcast at gmail.com, was from my mom, guys. So, come on. Help me out here. Anyway, my name's Logan. And my name is Ashley. Um, I don't have to read off our our opening anymore i just have it have it in here that's good i was tapping i'm tapping on it my only head. took how many episodes a lot <sighs> this is episode 12 or 13 something like that anyway it's good to know we've been doing this for a while yeah <laughs> are you regretting it yet <laughs> <laughs> no never i'm so having a great time this episode is racing with the moon versus birdie yes this okay this is interesting they both came out the same year. They both came out in 1984, and they both deal with similar themes, but in, you know, slightly different, Very different ways. ways. Yeah, so, like, they're um, both, like, best, him, about Nicolas Cage and his best friend. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, they're both, Racing with the Moon is about World War II, and Birdie is about Vietnam. So, it's like, uh, Racing with the Moon is before World War II, and... Birdie is after Vietnam. All right, so we're going to start with Racing with the Moon. It's a 1984 American drama film starring Sean Penn, Elizabeth McGovern, and Nicolas Cage, directed by Richard Benjamin. Um, The premise from IMDb reads, In 1942, California, two young men await induction into the U.S. Marines and say goodbye to their girlfriends. Yes, I want to talk about the setting of this place real quick. Um, Yes. So... It's in this fictional uh, town, not Point, not Point Muir, which is a real place, but Port Muir, um, which is supposed to be in Northern California. Yeah. And it was filmed in Mendocino County, which mm-hmm. is where my family's from. Um, so 
it's so crazy. Some of the places where this place was filmed, where this film was filmed, are places that I've been in my real life. So like the downtown area of Fort Muir is Mendocino, um, California, which is about a 30 minute drive from my parents' hometown. Um, one of the bridges that they cross in the movie is Pudding Creek Bridge, which is um, a bridge that I've walked over multiple times in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also like the railroad station in this film is the railroad station for the skunk train in Fort Bragg, um, which is where my parents are from. Um, and also Fort Bragg's Eagle, Eagle Hall is where the skating rink is. So basically, this was filmed in a combination of my parents' hometown and the town next to my parents' hometown. Interesting. Um, so when we were watching this film, I just kept on seeing places that I'd been before, um, which was like so, it was so surreal for me. I called my mom this morning and I was like, Mom, Mom, this was filmed in Fort Bragg. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I know. Nicolas Cage lived in Fort Bragg apparently for a couple of months for multiple films. Um, stayed did, at a hotel. Did your mom ever have any run-ins with our our dear friend? So apparently she's met Nicolas Cage. Wait, what? Seriously? Yeah, because she worked at she worked at a. How am I just hearing about this now? Well, you were next to me when she said it. I wasn't listening. Okay, so she said that she. I had, didn't hear her. I wasn't. She, go ahead. <laughs> he stayed in the hotel that she worked at, and so did Matthew McConaughey. And apparently, Murder She Wrote was also filmed. Right. You, yeah, I heard you told me that. Fort Bragg in the same town that this film movie was filmed. So uh, when she was growing up, she said that like b- b- a bunch of big stars would like come to come and stay there for a couple of months for filming. Wow. And that they would like, you know, apparently my grandmother was in um, my grandmother on my mom's side. It's really my step, whatever my step grandmother. She was in uh, multiple films as uh, as an extra just because they were filming in Fort Bragg. Isn't that interesting? It is. I'd like to be an extra in a movie. Yeah. It seems fun. Get paid like 50 bucks or whatever. So it's like so. super weird. It was like seeing, because I feel like I get kind of like a, a vision of, like it feels like a dream when I see uh, Fort Bragg in a film because I'm like, oh wow, like this place that I have spent so much of my childhood at is like where these movies are being filmed. I'm trying to think if any places I've ever lived or been around when I was younger have been used for filming the closest would be Detroit but like I never lived in Detroit for any amount of time I lived in the areas outside of it yeah um which I'd never see in movies um but yeah that's that's really interesting it's really cool um yeah so basically this entire movie is just Sean Penn is the lead character Nick Cage plays his um his best friend Mm -hmm. who's uh a little more reckless and uh you know he's a little bit more horny he he's horny that's <laughs> the best way to describe and the movie is basically just about uh those two uh they're joining the marines it's uh yeah 1942 around christmas time it starts um and, and it's just like six weeks before they ship out yeah it's like six weeks um you don't see them go off to war that's like the end of the movie is them leaving um, so it's basically just uh, a chronicle of their lives in those six weeks leading up to them going off to war. Yeah. Um, so they're like two like middle class people who uh, maybe even lower class. Like working class. Yeah, working class. I would class. say. They work, yeah. 
and they work at a bowling alley together. A really like best friends from childhood. A really cool old timey bowling alley. Like yeah. I, I, I should have assumed this, but like I never, I've never seen before people manually doing the like re-racking the pins. Yeah, and they're doing it really quickly. It's too. really cool. It's like yeah. they're like running back and forth and like, okay, there's a scene. Okay, so we referenced Back to the Future on our last episode. Yeah. And you said you never saw it. Since then, we have watched Back to the Future. And yeah. uh, one of the stars of Back to the Future, Crispin Glover, has a little like one scene cameo in the first scene in the bowling alley where he's like being an asshole and like, He's like throwing pins at Sean Penn. <laughs> Sean Penn. Throwing bowl, bowling balls. Sorry. Yeah, like before Penn. before they're able to like reset the pins and then they almost get in a... Uh, is it Sean Penn or Nick Cage that gets in a fight with him? It's Sean Penn. Sean Penn jumps over the... Like Sean jumps over the bar and starts running towards him and punches him in the face. And uh, his girlfriend's standing right behind him and like blood gets like splattered all over her and Nicolas Cage is just behind the guy who's like he's like the owner of the bowling alley he's holding the guy back who just got punched right crispin glover yeah and nicholas cage is supposed to be grabbing sean penn but instead he's like taking a napkin and rubbing like the cleaning the blood off of the boob of the girlfriend i did not notice this yeah and also apparently in this scene um even though um crispin glover had just rolled like apparently had bowled a strike uh-huh. Right, so there was like no pins down in this scene. Whenever they get into the fight, the seven pin was still standing. Wow! So like they, you know, missed missed that. I guess. Wow, that's a blunder. It's like um, the only thing I could find that was like weird about that scene. But yeah, it was just interesting that we just watched Back to the Future, and then there's Crispin. Gl- Have you seen the movie River's Edge? No. Okay. That also has Crispin Glover. It's a early Keanu Reeves movie. Uh, it's really good, actually. Um, but he ha- his performance in that movie is fucking crazy. I will I'll I'll send you a clip of Crispin Glover in River's Edge. That's I'm, I'm excited really to good. see it. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, it's um, but yeah. So it's basically just about these two guys and their experiences leading up to them leaving for the war. And it's kind of we'll talk about this more, I guess, when we talk about Birdie. Both these movies kind of have. Uh, like tonal shifts from like scene to scene like yeah. they'll be like lighthearted, and then i would say birdie is much heavier yeah um but there's some pretty heavy stuff in um racing with the moon as well there's but some I, stuff where i had to like lean in and i almost cried because it was so yeah yeah heavy. Um, but i would say this movie doesn't uh handle the tonal shifts as elegantly as i would say birdie does yeah i mean we'll get into it more later but um, overall, I think this movie is pretty good. Um, I, I don't like love it or anything, but I really liked the I liked the romantic touches of this film because you thought this film was going to be like a coming of age story, right? About these two men who were like, yeah. I mean, like, you feel like it's going to be like them, I guess, becoming more like promiscuous leading up to them leaving, but really it becomes like this romantic story. So like Sean Penn meets this woman. Um, her name is Katie. Uh, played by Elizabeth McGovern. Is uh, that pronounced Caddy? Caddy, like whatever. C A D D I E is her name. C A D D Y. So he like goes to the movie theater because he's supposed to be like a double date with Nicolas Cage and his girlfriend Sally, and uh, because her parents thought that they were messing around, which they were, 
and mm. uh, Nicholas Cage drops them off, and he goes like to the movie theater by himself, and like she's sees Elizabeth McGovern. She was she works at the like the box office. Automatically smitten with her, she's gorgeous in this film. Isn't she? She's supposed to be like out of high school, right? She's a little bit older than him. I think so. Yes. Yeah, because he's seventeen, and she's maybe like nineteen or twenty. Yeah, and she keeps on telling him to like go go to school like you know if you go to school you don't have to leave so soon yeah um so we see this like first interaction and he leaves a a daisy with her well their first real interaction is when they're him and nick cage are in the diner across from the movie theater um and then she comes in and then like sean penn really quickly like jumps no no that's not no no he does that later so yeah so that his first interaction with her is whenever he buys a ticket from her right second interaction with her is whenever he sends a young boy to go bring her flowers which apparently he did multiple times oh yeah these yeah this is basically the same scene because like you see the kid and then he sends him off and then she starts coming across the street no these are separate scenes like later like this happens later on in the film so she he has a little boy deliver her a, like a, a daisy and like she sees it whatever she comes up back after her shift across the street right. sean penn is like switch seats to me switch seats to me yeah, and then nick cage is facing the door yeah and i guess sean penn wants the first person that she sees when she walks in mm-hmm. to be him and nick cage is like no fuck you um then the the owner of the diner is like asleep at the counter yeah so he like puts on the hat he and takes jumps his the hat counter. and like jumps over it and um, she asks she, for a slice of pie. Yeah, uh, she's like, "What are your what kind of pie do you have?" And he's like looking and he's like, like brown pie, brown pie, because <laughs> all the pies are you know brown. Uh, so he's like, yeah, "Just give me a slice of that and wrap it up, please." And he doesn't know how to wrap a piece of pie, so he like just like he doesn't even know how to cut a piece of pie. No, he just like takes like a sheet, one of those like sheets, and puts one like under the pie and over it, and then just puts it in a bag. It's like here you go. <laughs> um, yeah, it's she's a, like it's cute. she's like i asked for a slice and he's like it's a special so, yeah it's on special um so she like leaves and gets on a bus and he like jumps on the back of the bus and follows her all the way home yeah, which it's is a little, really creepy there's a really creepy shot where she's like sitting on the bus and like he's hanging off it and it's mm-hmm. like from inside the bus and because the back of the bus the lights are red you just see his face just like bathed in red light like just like on, in the back window it's really I don't know if it was like intentionally creepy, yeah. but I felt creeped out by that. <laughs> so he like sees her house, like he like jumps the fence and like follows her up and sees her house, and they call her, start calling her Gatsby girl from then on because they think that she's. Rich. Is it Gatsby or Gatsby? It's Gatsby, like the Great Gatsby. Have you ever read the Great Gatsby? I have Gatsby? read it, so I wasn't sure if that. Yes, I've been to high school. I've read the Great Gatsby. <laughs> well, have you like really read it though? I did read it. Yeah, it is Gatsby. Okay. Yeah. yeah so he's Gatsby girl. So he assumes that she is a member of this really rich family because yeah. he sees her go into their mansion, basically. Yeah. Um, Which we later find out that she's actually just the daughter of the maid. Yes. And that she's like really good friends with the rich young woman who lives there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like this film... I, I like the romantic parts of it. Uh, Nicholas Cage is like a perpetual drunk in this. He's constantly drinking. Yeah. He's constantly smoking indoors. Okay. My, my Really, my main criticism of this movie is I need more Cage. Yeah. No, he, there's moments where you're like, where's Cage? Okay. Yeah. He He's not. He is by far. He's like, he is not. Sean Penn and the... Um, oh, what's the and lead? Elizabeth act? McGovern. Yeah. They, they're the leads, really. Uh, yeah. Nick Cage is is really more of a supporting character in this. Um, yeah, but he's a really good supporting character. Yes, there's a scene. Uh, yeah. 
there's a scene where they they're drinking a lot and then they're like walking like walking around town and nick cage is talking about the t- like tattoos he wants to get yeah. he's like i want an eagle on my chest the american eagle yeah because um, they're gonna be marines yeah um and then there's a part where sean penn is like you drink too much they're both really they're both like hammered he's like because you, you you drink too much that's why you have so many problems and it makes something. me so mad and then <laughs> nick cage is like i like drinking i can do i can i can do so many things when i'm drinking and he's like like what and he does these like weird like pelvic thrust he's like <laughs> like I, this i could, I could never do... do this before i was drinking <laughs> it's really it's really funny yeah. um and then they go to a tattoo parlor yeah so there's a lot of scenes in this movie too where you see sean penn coming face to face with the reality of being um going to war which i think is really interesting so like he goes to the movie theater and he sees a war thing and he like okay. leaves the movie theater yeah, well, early and then you also see like them doing drills outside okay of the- well hold on I want to talk about Nick Cage's body. We got to the tattoo parlor scene and you were just breezing past us. We needed to talk about this. So he's talking. They're talking with the owner of the tattoo parlor. And he's talking about what he, what tattoo he wants done. He wants the eagle on his chest and he lifts up his shirt. Yeah. Speak on this. Man's ripped. He's cut as hell. Yeah. I was... And the tattoo parlor guy won't give him a tattoo, but he's like, you just see Nicolas Cage lift up his shirt and you're like, what? Like literally, and how is this possible? Yeah. And it's more of the same in Birdie, which we'll, I guess we'll talk about, but mm-hmm. I did not realize, I assumed early in his career, I assumed he didn't get like more in shape until like he started reaching like the action movie yeah. phase. No. I always assumed he was just kind of just like a skinny guy. Apparently he was ripped from. I mean, you can kind of tell in Moonstruck. Yeah. When, like in the first scene with him with like the tank top. Okay. This is a good time to, to bring this up. It's called the tank top tracker. Cause we've watched many movies so far where Nick Cage is prominently featured in a tank top. Yeah. Okay. So, so far by my count, we have, Wind Talkers, where he's running on the beach in a tank top at the beginning. Yes. We got Moonstruck. Yes. Where he's shoveling in the, he's in the basement of the bakery. We've got Raising Arizona, where he just kind of wears it under his, I don't, I don't know. I feel, I don't, I he, feel that should not be. He, has he wears be, a tank top the entire movie. Yeah, but he's wearing a shirt over it. and I No, because his tank top is off in some of the scenes at the beginning, because you see his tattoo of the, roadrunner on his arm you can only see that when his shirt's off okay go on sure we have captain corelli's mandolin yeah we have racing with the moon mm-hmm. um and we have birdie so both movies that we're covering today and he's ripped in both of these films well, obviously yeah, they're, they're, the same year they were shot around the same time i would assume um yeah his hair is a bit longer in Birdie, so I don't know. So we see Sean Penn come into come to terms with um, becoming a Marine throughout this entire thing, and I guess like he's not okay with it. Um, yeah, you mentioned um, how he goes when he goes to the movie theater. They have the they do the, that thing where they play like news items. Which yeah, is always fun. And they're interesting. like, America needs you. Yeah, there's the, like the eighteen to nineteen year old boy. Well, essentially just like the propaganda, the war mm-hmm. propaganda stuff from like the 40s yeah and Um, then like past that 
we see a drill where like Nicolas Cage and uh, Sean Penn are doing like a like a some sort of medic drill. On... Yeah, where like the girls are like nurses. Yeah, and then all the boys are like wounded or dead. Yeah, on, like, so Sean Penn and Nicolas Cage like go and change the record to uh, bugle. Uh, What's that song? I don't know. I, I I recognize the song. I don't know what it's called. Da, 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 it's a uh, boogie woogie beagle boy. Yes. So uh, they they change the song to boogie woogie beagle boy, and then they run off. And this is where Sean Penn like shows up um, to Elizabeth McGovern in the in the library with like blood covered all over him, and she gets all upset, and he t- she takes him to another. To like this like ward where all of the wounded soldiers are and Sean Penn is like shocked and upset. And so we see a lot of these scenes where he has to come to terms with the fact that he's going to war soon and he's like doesn't want to admit it. But then yeah. Nicolas Cage has an opposite approach to it where he's like, I can't wait to kill those Japs and like is like screaming off the top of the building that he wants to he wants to go to war so badly. Right. So we see like very different approaches they're, to like the war. They're both kind of immature but in, in different ways i guess uh sean penn is basically just acting like everything's going to be fine and like he's kind of unbothered by going yeah. to war and nick cage is all like oorah fucking like let's go um oh, well this is one second i just wanted to make sure because you said oorah but i wanted to make sure that oorah is what marines say it is I've played a lot of first-person shooters in my time is the marine thing so um yeah nicholas cage is like excited to go to war sean penn is scared um but i think that yes. we do see that that nicholas cage's character is really damaged because his mother's dead his dad's abusive his dad apparently like he like shows up with a black eye to go pick up sally on the date earlier in the film yeah it's the only time they really like touch on it but yeah yeah and he's like um Oh, he's like, oh, what happened to your eyes? He's like, oh, yeah, dad's been drinking again. Yeah, yeah. So we see that, like, it's a generational thing, uh, Nicolas Cage's character's drinking problem, um, which is, like, kind of sad, but then it gives you it gives him more depth, right? Because he does some pretty fucked up things in the, in the movie. And, um, yeah, right. I guess we should get into. Yeah, so basically, when... The movie's fairly lighthearted for like the majority of it, but yeah, it's about like a love, like, it's a love story. Yeah, there's that. I don't know. I don't know how much we need to get into it. But there's the part where they go to that like beautiful lake. Yeah, that's where they like, Sean Penn and it's uh, like February. They're you know they go on a tre- he's, he's like oh we used to go on treasure hunts whenever we were children and all this stuff. And then Sean Penn and Elizabeth McGovern have sex in the in the pond. Do we want to talk about the the kissing in this movie? Oh my god, it's so really, bad. Yeah. So okay, Elizabeth the, McGovern really wasn't into it. They don't really have a lot of chemistry, like physically. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't even know how much chemistry they have, like as just actors. Anyway, I mean, I mean, I kind of like some of their the scene where they play piano together is cute. Um, yeah. But but yeah, when like Sean Penn like really goes for it with like the kissing, mm-hmm. and then she just doesn't do anything so it seems like she's like not into it but like that's not the intention of the scene like she's meant to be like 
she's meant to like she's like meant him. to really be into it and like him yeah, but, but she like, doesn't like she doesn't do it that well she doesn't kiss him she doesn't kiss him back basically is he just like it's really weird shoves his tongue in her throat <laughs> and, and she just kind of st- sits there yeah. and like with her eyes oh, i don't know it's really weird it's weird but but yeah basically the for the majority of the movie it's like a kind of kind of lighthearted, but you know somewhat i don't know touching on some heavier themes um but then Nick Cage reveals that his girlfriend Sally is pregnant and they have decided to get an abortion. Um, and basically they need money. Yeah. They need $150, which I don't know is, I don't know how much that is in today's money. Um, but since Sean Penn thinks that Elizabeth McGovern is this Gatsby girl, like a member of this rich family, like Nick Cage basically, well, first, okay, first they try to win the money by hustling pool which is actually a pretty good scene i think it's probably my favorite part of the movie it's equivalent um, to two thousand seven hundred and seventy six dollars mm, damn okay so first they try to win the money by hustling pool yeah um which is a i, I like the scene a lot it has some good they like they they hustle from these like navy sailors mm-hmm. um and they eventually have to like because nick cage is like a wad of money mm-hmm. and only if some of the bills are real um, which they they catch and then they have to like fight their way out of the bar they're in um, and like run away yeah it, it's pretty fun and there's some good tension in the actual like pool game because you don't know who's gonna win um, but yeah so they fuck that up so Nick Cage is like get that rich girlfriend of yours to give us the money but remember that his girlfriend's not actually rich she's not actually but Sean Penn thinks she is and so does you know Nick Cage um so she like tries to steal pearls from her rich friend. Yeah. And her rich friend gives her the money. Yeah. And then it's so sad the scene where it's Sean Penn, Nicholas Cage, Elizabeth McGovern, and Sally, which whose actress name I don't know. Yeah. And they're all in the car driving to the abortion place. Clinic, yeah. It's whatever. not a clinic, it's a trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and it's so solemn and everybody is so uncomfortable and you just see this confused, sad look in Elizabeth McGovern's eyes where she feels almost disappointed with what's going on. And then Nicholas Cage won't get out of the car um, and help Sally. So every, like he's acting like a giant asshole like throughout the whole scene. Asshole. And he's like drinking on the way there and on the way back. Oh yeah. He's constantly just taking swigs out of like a little whiskey bottle or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then Nicholas, Sean Penn and Elizabeth McGovern go into the abortion trailer thing with... And Nick Cage stays outside. Yeah. It's like, she doesn't want me in there, man. Um, and, and he then, also doesn't walk her to the door. No. And then on the way back, after they drop off Sally, mm-hmm. it's just those three left in the car and they're driving back. Um, and then Elizabeth McGovern is like, stop the fucking car. And like she's like, her and Sean Penn get in a fight. She's like, I'm um, not rich, you, you insensitive asshole. And all this yeah, she reveals stuff. the truth to him about, you know, she's not, she lives in the house because she's the maid's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she like storms off. Uh, she's like, well, she like walks home or something. Yeah. Um, and then Sean, Sean Penn like punches, like Nick loses Cage. it at, at Nick Cage. like, you're fucking up my life. Like you need to figure your shit out. Sally could have died tonight. Yeah. And you um, couldn't even walk her to the door. You insensitive prick. Yeah. Um, and then he, he leaves as well and then, yeah. and leaves Nick Cage looking like he feels real bad about himself yeah. as he should. 
Um, but then, I mean, we're reaching... The next scene... Yeah, we're kind of reaching towards the end of the movie now. Yeah, the next scene, Nicolas Cage and Sean Penn like, meet up at the bowling alley and they make up. And it's like, yeah, they're about to... It's like it's their last because day. because Sean Penn's reminded by his father, which there's these really sweet scenes throughout the entire movie where Sean Penn and his father are like Greg... Uh, grave digging. Yeah, his dad's a grave digger. I actually really like his dad in this film. He's yeah, really yeah, sweet. He, yeah. He has. He, there's not. He's not in a lot of the movie, but yeah, he's a. He's, it's kind of like the opposite. It seems like the opposite of what Nick, uh, Nick Cage's home life is like. Yeah, like Sean Penn is annoyed at his parents, especially his mom, because like yeah. she makes him do like piano lessons. But it seems like he has a, a decent home life and like a mm-hmm. n- like nice supportive father. Um, we don't really see much of Nick Cage's family, you, but we just kind of hear see about Nick it. Cage's family at all? Yeah, you just hear about. It. Yeah, the, the issues that they have. And um, apparently, like he's been a father figure uh, in Nick Cage's life the entire, like this movie. As much as is it about, it's about Sean Sean Penn, Sean Penn's character. It is more about the relationship between Sean Penn's character and Nicolas Cage's character. And we should say Nicolas Cage's name in the movie is Nicky. Yeah, young yeah. Nicky, as Francis Ford Coppola would say. <laughs> um, but yeah, they basically make up. Um, Nick Cage says. Or Nikki says, um, I went to see Sally. She's doing okay. Yeah. So you get the sense he's kind of going to at least try to start being a more mature person. Yeah. Um, Kind of rectify some of his... And Sean Penn's like, we need to stick together because they're about to go off to war. Yeah. And then, so earlier in the movie, uh, what you kind of, what the title comes from is they'll like at night, they'll like... Race the train. Race the train and try to jump onto it as it's like moving away yeah um which that scene the first scene when we see them racing the train it like like you said it looked like it was filmed during the day and then darkened yeah day for night which i don't know how common that is now because like a lot of digital film cameras can just shoot at night easier but like back in the 80s everything was shot on film obviously so it was harder to get to shoot at night so a lot of times what they would do my understanding i'm not an expert on this stuff my understanding is they would shoot during the day and then like add filters and just do trickery to darken the 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 image to like make it look like it was shot at night yeah but it's kind of easy to tell because like they're shot where you can see clear shadows mm-hmm. on the ground where it looks like it's sh- it was shot during like a sunny day yeah but but anyway that's like right in the middle of the movie and then at the end um wait, wait, wait. we gotta talk about what? the shoes in the window Okay. Earlier in the film, before we know that she's not rich, they see these sh- blue shoes in the window. Yeah, she tries them on. She tries them on, and she really loves them. Yeah, they fit she, perfectly. She's like, I can't buy everything. They're twenty-five dollars. The shoes are. Yeah. Which is a lot of money back then. Yeah, she doesn't buy them, and he's like, well, he still thinks she's rich at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's like, like well, I can, I can't buy everything I want, and Gatsby girl. And so this is when she finds out that he thinks she's rich. Yeah. But. Before they leave, yes, they have their reconciliation scene. He puts a treasure map under her door. Yeah, because they talked about before how his dad would leave him and Nick Cage treasure maps to like that's how they found that like cool little the lake cool in the pond forest. Where they had sex, yeah, yeah. So she follows the treasure map to this like through the forest under the trees, whatever, to this like place where she he gives her the shoes and he tells her that. He loves her. And then there's, they and then they kiss badly some more. Yeah. So there's a Roger Ebert uh, review of this. Where is it? What did he give it? 
He gave it a three and a half stars, mm. um, which is not bad actually. Out of four, yeah. Considering, out of five. His reviews are all were always out of four. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh well, then three and a half stars out of four is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then he said, uh, the like his big thing about this review is, I'd like to start with a hypothetical question. How long has it been since you went to a movie that ended with the words, I love you? And basically his entire thing is like that he liked this film being like the entire film was just getting to him telling his, you know, his girl that he loved her and also like, you know, coming to terms with Nicolas Cage's character. Yeah. Um, and he said, it's, it's easy to end a movie with I love you, but it's hard to get there, honestly. And so he basically said the reason he liked this film so much is that there was a lot of um, there was a lot of reality in it. And they actually cared about showing how teenagers interacted. Um, Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed this. uh, I really enjoyed this film. And so, yeah, so I guess we're wrapping up now. So the end of the movie is they're about to leave him and Nick Cage. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're there with Elizabeth McGovern and Sean Penn's parents. Um, and they're all they they the train everyone's getting on the train and the train starts leaving and they're they're they haven't gotten on and they're like what are you doing the train's leaving and then him and nick cage look at each other and what they say something what are they, what's the thing they say like right before they start running off after the train it's like are you ready yeah and then the you know some a whimsical music starts playing and mm-hmm. they start running after the train and, and they, they jump they on. hop on and they're like the credits start rolling and they're like waving mm-hmm. to their families and then that's basically it um so yeah i enjoyed this movie a bit um again i don't think it doesn't handle the the big tonal shifts as gracefully as it could probably yeah but it's overall pretty enjoyable um it's a good nick cage performance um even though he's not really in the movie as much as you would maybe want um he has some good stuff there's a good line he says that i forgot to mention where he's uh i think it's i think when sean penn is talking about how he this this uh quote unquote Gatsby girl uh, we know she actually isn't mm-hmm. um but Nick Cage is like telling her not to telling him not to get involved with like a rich girl yeah he says uh he says you're barking up the wrong pair of gams <laughs> uh that's just uh yeah there's also a scene where Nick Cage sings in the bowling alley he's like yes, using and a, actually using like a broom is like a microphone so our friends at Cage Cast actually have um made a video on their youtube which i'm gonna play right now and it's not gonna sound super good because i'm gonna use this mic to record it um but they have a video on their youtube uh cage cast all caps no space between the two words um this is on their youtube page i'm gonna play it Yeah, so we get Nick Cage singing again. He's a good singer. <laughs> this is not the first movie we've had heard him sing in. No, he sang in uh, Peggy Sue Got Married. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, so it's a solid little movie. Um, it had a budget of $6.5 million, and it made just over $6 million. So originally, uh, Fox put up a $6 million bid mm-hmm. on this film, but the director and the writer decided that they wanted more money. Um, so they waited a little bit longer. And then Paramount decided that they were going to do a, a $6.5 million bid. Um, I wonder what they got with their extra 
half a mil. Well, they actually ended up. Um, they actually ended up getting. Uh, I'm trying to look right here. Let's see. Paramount increased the budget to six point five million dollars, extended pre-production by a week, and approved four extra days on the shooting schedule. <laughs> um, so it was just basically that um, Bernheim and Kahn. Uh, felt restricted, which is the the two producers, and then the director and the writer felt like they needed more money, which I guess five hundred thousand dollars might have made a you know a decent um, you know m- improvement on the schedule, but they ended up actually pushing it back an entire year because um, it was originally like supposed to be filmed um, in nineteen eighty two and ended up being filmed in nineteen eighty three, and I found this on the AFI website. Gotcha. Um, so on. Rotten Tomatoes, they had a, this film had a 60% tomato meter and a 62% audience score, as well as a, eight, a 66 meta score and a 6.7 out of 10 stars on IMDb. So before we move on to our next movie, I think we're going to run through our ratings for this movie. Uh, again, to recap, we have uh, five grading factors when evaluating Wait, before we do this, one of these films um it looks pretty good in some scenes and other ones it looks like shitty mm-hmm. so i don't know um 6.5 i'm giving it a six so the airport 6.25 for this film interesting okay so we're gonna go ahead and give our final rating of this movie and to recap we have five grading factors mm-hmm. that we will use to evaluate the strength of this movie as a nick cage movie we have commitment which is just how interested cage seems in the material we have pathos um how well he sells the primary tone or emotion or whatever Um, we have the overall quality of the movie we have cage's contribution uh, so like how his presence either helps or hinders the movie um to what degree and then we have cage factor which is just kind of the the x factor uh, just how "quote unquote" cagey a performance is. Um, so, what what was your what's your rating of? Let's start with commitment. Racing with the moon. What was your commitment? Uh, four out of five. I had a three point seven five. Okay. Um, pathos. I gave that a three point five. Give it a three. Uh, overall quality, I gave this a three out of five. I gave this a three as well. Uh, Cage's contribution. What'd you give that? Two. Ooh, really? Can you elaborate a little? He wasn't a main character. I feel like he did a really good job with the role he had, but I feel like it could have been another actor that did the same role who played the drunken best friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Except for like in the pool scene and then in the tattoo parlor scene. I feel like those are the two places where he was yeah, the strongest. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking of when I was writing this. So I, I gave this a 3.5 out of 5. I gave his cage factor a 3.5. So did I. Because the scenes that he was in, All right. he did really well. So my overall score for Racing with the Moon is a 3.5 out of 5. Mine's a 3.05 out of 5. Wow. Mm-hmm. So basically a 3. Or 3.1 if you want to round up. 3.05 is the average. Yeah. Okay, so my, my overall uh, synopsis of this film was Drunken Fuck Up with a Good-Hearted Best Friend. What was yours? Oh, I didn't do that. Oh. And was I supposed to do that? No. I just <laughs> then why'd you ask me like I was supposed uh, to do that? That was like my only note that I wrote was oh. drunken fuck up with a good hearted okay. best friend. When I take notes on these when we're watching them and I don't have my like laptop in front of me where I can like actually type out 
more notes. Yeah. I basically just like, it's just stream of consciousness. So my first note is Crispin Glover with two exclamation points. So that's <laughs> the kind of notes I take when we watch these. So I didn't do what you did. Um, um, so yeah, that's Racing with the Moon. Um, yeah. It's a solid little movie. It's not, it's nothing remarkable, but it's, it's pretty good. Um, and we'll go ahead and be right back with our discussion of Birdie. Okay, we're back. Uh, so before we move on to Birdie, I want to do something that I meant to do at the beginning of the episode, but I forgot. Uh, this is a new segment that I have called Cage Off Oopsies and Goofs. This is our correction segment for when I fuck up and say something dumb and wrong on an episode. So on our last episode, I said that Joan Allen played a big role in the season two of Mad Men. Mm-hmm. That was incorrect. I got confused because the person I was thinking of also has kind of like a long neck like she does. Um, so that was an oopsie on my part. Okay. And when we talked about The Rock, we also we talked fairly extensively about the music and how Hans Zimmer seemingly recycled his music from The Rock in Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Uh, Hans Zimmer was actually not the composer for Pirates. He was a producer of the soundtrack, but he was not the composer. Who was the composer? Um, oh, God. Uh, just, uh, just looking it up. Just, uh, you know, just looking up stuff on the fly. Uh, da, 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 da. The composer for... Uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean was Klaus Bedelt. Okay. So if you're going to be mad at somebody about the music, I think you should be mad at him. Interesting. Okay. okay. And any other oopsies? And that was it. I just, I meant to do that at the beginning, but that's going to be our new, that's going to be our corrections, our corrections segment, I think. Okay. So um, uh, the next movie is Birdie. Yes. Uh, which I, really enjoyed it's a 1984 uh film about two people two friends uh returning home from vietnam war um so this is the imdb premise after two friends return home from the vietnam war one becomes mentally unstable and obsesses with becoming a bird so the main characters are played by um matthew modine and Mm -hmm. nicholas cage Uh, matthew modine plays birdie and nicholas cage plays al colombado um, Alfonso. Alfonso. And then John Harkins plays Dr. Wise, which also is a pretty um, large role in this film. Yeah. I would say, I mean, the movie is named after Matthew Modine's character, but really mm-hmm. the main character is Nick Cage. Yeah. We say. see a lot more Nicolas Cage yeah, than he's, we do Matthew he's the Modine. Main, he's really the, the protagonist. Um, yeah. So before we get st- get into... Uh, get into this film that found a song that's named after Matthew Modine. Mm-hmm. It's literally called Matthew Modine by Pony Up. And okay. Can you hear, can we hear a taste of that? Yeah. I'm going to have to, I've never. I'm going to zoom forward. I don't know. Apparently, it's called Matthew Modine. Mm. I don't know if they ever say Matthew Modine in it, but the song is named after him. That sucked. I didn't like that. You were dancing. Shut, shut up. <laughs> ooh, meow, meow. Papa, ooh, meow, meow, meow. Yeah, it's a great song. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we did see an interview, and Matthew Modine kind of seemed 
like off a little bit. I don't know. I don't know that much about Matthew Modine. I know he kind of he's had a resurgence in the last couple of years because he was in I think season two of Stranger Things. He was. He yeah. played. Um, but yeah, he was mostly around like the in like eighties and. He played. He he played like one of the. He played a doctor. Yeah, he was like a nefarious doctor in season two. Yeah, I Dr. Stopped watching Martin that. Brenner in I Stranger Things. I stopped watching Things. that show. Uh, but he also like had a pretty uh, large role in uh, Full Metal Jacket, apparently. Mm-hmm. He, he, also was in, won- he was in one of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. He also won a couple awards for being in, um, in a band played on. Mm-hmm. He played a character in Weeds. Um, and yeah, he, I mean. He plays Birdie. He plays Birdie in this film. What did they ever say? Like reveal what his actual like what his real name is? Uh, no, I don't think they ever do. I yeah, don't think just, they do. No, I think even his dad calls him Birdie. Yeah, he's just like the he's just the bird kid. Um, so the first like basically what happens is is we see Nicolas Cage become friends. Like he's like he's playing like, baseball. The baseball gets stuck in his backyard. He sees Matthew Modine up in the tree, and then he becomes like he like comes to steal a pocket knife from him for his little brother. Yeah, they kind of approach him as like this like we- there's this like weird kid on the street that like yeah. they like treat bad. And then they decide that they're going to go cl- go collect pigeons together. Well, yeah. Well, basically Birdie endears himself to uh Al because like they have like a kind of fight over this like pocket knife that his little brother claims he stole. Mm-hmm. Um turns out the person who stole it sold it to birdie mm-hmm. and the nick cage is like you can just keep it because you bought it um and then they kind of just they kind of just become friends and mm-hmm. it's kind of i don't know it's kind of i i kind of thought when it started it would become it would be more of a thing where like over the course of the movie he learns to become friends with him like but it, it's really kind of right away they become right friends. Away they become yeah, friends. Yeah. yeah they they have a um, they have a pigeon business together yeah. where they're trying to make like uh messenger carrier pigeons yeah they we should say the movie it's really structured as like it starts after the war yeah like when nick cage has like bandages on his face he's returned it's told in like flashbacks basically. yeah but i would um, say that like really like when you start getting interested in the film is whenever he gets reunited with birdie so basically like nicholas cage is sent by the military to go the army to go uh, try to get Birdie to come to. He's in. He is in a hospital. He's in, like in a mental ward of mm-hmm. this like military hospital where he he won't speak with anybody. He's just like he's always like hunched. He's like squ- always squatting down. And he's just mm-hmm. basically practically catatonic. Yeah. Um. Like only well, the only person who he'll let feed him is like this one nurse. Her name is Hannah. Hannah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so he's basically just despondent, and it's not. It's not speaking with anybody and like they're just trying to figure out like what to do with him yeah um and nicholas cage knows that he is acting like a bird but he doesn't want to let any of the uh doctors know or the doctor the main doctor major wise he doesn't want to let him know that that he thinks he's a bird because he doesn't want him to like run experiments on him or you know treat him differently so the entire film is nicholas cage coming and visiting him and then them going hashing over really just kind of going back in flashbacks seeing how they interacted with each other as high schoolers yeah it's basically it's basically just a lot of scenes of nick cage talking to the you know uh catatonic birdie Mm -hmm. and like that will trigger a flashback 
to like yeah. you see their past relationship uh, when they were in high school. So um, Nicholas Cage also again plays an oversexed uh, yeah character. And then in all the flashback scenes, he has uh, some he has some wild hair. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think, what would I give his hair for for this movie? I don't know. Some scenes it looks really good. Some scenes it's just kind of flopping everywhere and looks weird. So I'll say it's yeah. a seven seven point five give it an eight the baseball scene which is one of the first scenes we see him in his arms look insane there's a there's also another scene where him and birdie are working out in his backyard and he's like he's doing he his body looks crazy in these two movies we should say i think we mentioned it before these were released in the same year yeah. So Racing with the Moon was released in March 84. This was released in December. Well, Matthew um, Modine's like doing bird exercises yeah, while like Nicolas Cage is like lifting like, weights yeah. and like doing pull-ups on the building. And he looks insane. Like his body just looks insane. <laughs> Crazy. Are we talking about his body too much? No, because his body doesn't look like this anymore. That's true. We have to enjoy this while it lasts. Yeah, for sure. So like basically... Um, Throughout these things, we see some really endearing stuff. They have a pigeon, uh, carry pigeon business together first. They build this like a pigeon house together. You see, uh, Birdie like build this like bird suit, and they go to this this um, I don't know some industrial site, and they go on the top of the building. They're trying to get more pigeons from there, and they Birdie like gets like falls and like is holding onto a pipe. The pipe breaks. And he's like, "I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna There's fly." A, he's like, "I'm gonna fly." There's like a pile of sand or whatever. And he's wearing these like gonna... a bird suit. Like you need they to look this are. up. They both are. They both are wearing these like homemade pigeon suits, and they look silly as hell. And it's really fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a scene where he he jumps while he's he jumps off to like land on a pile of sand, and he like fucks up his back. Mm-hmm. Um, and they 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 show the actual jump like five or six times. They just keep replaying it. It's cool looking. It's yeah. a cool looking stunt. Yeah, they um, literally like replay it multiple times because he does like a backflip and lands on his back. Yes. Goes to the hospital. Apparently he had like like hurt his back really badly. Yeah, but he's fine. He's like Nicholas Cage is like talking to the lady next to him. He's wearing, he's like he thinks he's a bird. He's kind of crazy. And he's wearing a bird suit. And then she just kind of just like looks, looks at him. Looks like look looks back forward and then it cuts. Um it's pretty funny. Yeah, um, so Matthew Modine's family, Birdie's family takes apart the pigeon house and yeah, and uh, he, apparently sells the birds. So th- they kill some of them. Um you don't see any of this, but he uh Nick Cage is telling Birdie about like after he's out of the hospital, like what happened to the pigeons. Um apparently Birdie's mom like gave the rest of them to like the butcher. Yeah. The local butcher and then Nick Cage is like they were plucked and fucked. Um by the butcher which is a if we could go back and rename this conference i think we would we talked call it plucked and plucked and fucked yeah um so (laughs) um they then decide their next project is they're gonna put like build a car together so like build a car together they buy a junky car yeah and it's really cute because they like finally get it done they go on this like trip to i believe what is atlantic city well first they like the first time they're able to start the car they do like a a fake they do a, go on like a pretend drive down the highway. Oh, it's so cute. It's really sweet. Um, they're like, we're going 80 down the expressway. And they're like, put the top down. And they're just like sitting in place in front mm-hmm. of uh, Al's house. Um, yeah. I don't so know. they go to the Atlantic City and Birdie, you just see this scene on a roller coaster. 
You're like Nicholas Cage is like, okay, well, I know you're loving and enjoying being in the in, in the water on the beach, but let's go get on a roller coaster. And Birdie's like flying on the roller coaster. It's really cute. Yeah. Um, and then Nicholas Cage is like having sex under like this like bridge with and, the girl. Yeah, and he, and Birdie's just sitting with the other girl, and like she's like, he's like, do you ever think about what it's like to be a bird? And like while <laughs> Nick Cage and the other girl like having sex like ten feet away from them, and she's like, oh, fuck this, you're creepy. Let's go. Mm-hmm. other girl yeah and then nick cage is like he looks like so angry at seething him. yeah it's like it was kind of like scary i was like whoa yeah i think that's like one of the first hints that like this movie gets like pretty dark in a lot of places but yeah. like just the intensity of him in that scene he's just like like it was scary <laughs> he, like, yeah so no mad. he definitely got upset a couple times with birdie and birdie's uh relationship with birds uh they're on like the beach afterwards they get arrested they go to jail for apparently stealing a car but the car that they stole was actually the car that they had rebuilt because it was registered in their father's name in in, in, in in nick cage's father's name name. right um so i i really liked the scene on the beach because he's just like running with like you know with the He's just flapping his wings and you see like one of the first like awakenings to him being a bird. And then Nick Cage is like, you uh, got to stop with this bird shit. You got to act more sociable because he's like still pissed about how he cock blocked him basically. Um, and then is this the part where he, Nick Cage talks about tits? Um, <laughs> yeah, yes, know it is on, it yeah is. on the beach. Do yeah. you have like, do you have these? Uh, I don't have the line, but he, he's talking he's about like big bird. tits, fluffy tits. What is Big tits, round tits, fleshy tits. Because <laughs> uh, Birdie's like, I don't see what the big deal is. They're just overgrown mammary glands. And then Nick Cage is like, mammary glands, mammary glands. Oh, um, my God. And this is like, yeah. uh, I think this is really funny because we see, remember, we just talked about The Rock like last week. And uh, when we were talking about The Rock, we were talking about how Nicolas Cage said he was channeling his like younger self. And now yeah, we're now seeing it, this, his it's, younger it's self. It's starting to make more sense now that I'm seeing yeah, he's like obsessed with sex in both of these movies. Like he's just an oversexed like he's a horny teen with like a really nice body, a great body. A great we body. need to stress this. Um. I think that there's a lot of really sweet moments uh, where Birdie really stands up for um, Al because Al, as much as he like seems to be this outwardly. Um, kind of macho macho dude he's like, really soft when it comes to his family yeah he he can't he, he's kind of uh afraid of his dad but you know the weird thing is that al also does the same thing to birdie's family like al is like whenever birdie's family says something kind of fucked up to him he's like hey like don't talk to him like that or don't take apart the pigeon house like he cares about this and she's like go clean this shit off the front porch so like they have very very similar relationships with the other person's family yeah that's interesting i like it i really like the relationship in this movie oh that's like yeah the whole yeah and you could see in that interview we watched that matthew modine and nicholas cage had really good chemistry and bird dog bird dog i don't know why they were they kept saying we were watching this weird interview where like the interviewer was kind of shitty um was not asking good questions um but like every time matthew modine would like kind of struggle to answer a question. You would just hear Nick Cage off camera go like bird dog. <laughs> and then he would say it also. It was just really weird. I think it's probably um, like an, an inside joke. Yeah, together. when they were shooting. I don't know. But but yeah, I don't know. So we mentioned it briefly, but this, yeah, this is a movie. It's, it's really interesting that these two movie, movies happen to fall together yeah. on our bracket the way it did. Because one is about a couple friends before war. Mm-hmm. And this one is about a couple of friends in the aftermath of war. Um 
like like we said, this one is a lot darker. Um, yeah. It goes into a lot more darker places about trauma and I don't know. It's Oh, but th- I forgot to say, this is based on a book. Yeah, I didn't know that, actually. Um, I can't remember. Uh, William Wharton um, wrote this novel in... Seven, sorry, 1978. 1778. He wrote this in 1978. I'm yeah. trying to click on his on his Wikipedia. Um, his pen name is all. His actual name is um, William Du Ame, but William Morton. Let me see what else has he written. He wrote Birdie. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of any of these books. I haven't. Uh, Dad, the, A Midnight Clear, Scumbler, no. Pride, Tidings, no. Frankie Furbo, Last Lovers, Wrongful Deaths, Houseboat on Sign. He also wrote the same books in Polish. Mm. Um, I think that he is Polish. Actually, he was born in Philadelphia, which makes sense because Bertie so takes, takes place and was shot mostly on location. Um, he actually went to war. He served in the army. Um, and yeah, he had a memoir that included an account of killing German prisoners during the war. So he was part of World War II and was wounded severely in the Battle of the Bulge. Mm. Um, so yeah. And then he went to school at University of California. You went to UCLA. Um, and for Birdie, he won national, um, multiple national awards, and, you know, this film came out. This is his first novel, too. So his first novel came out. He won a bunch of awards for it. They made a movie about it. And uh, I think it was a, you know, fantastic movie, um, which we can get more into. But, yeah, so, like, he was actually a veteran and to a certain degree, I guess, was channeling his emotions. And maybe he even, like, you know, was like, okay, you know, how does this affect um, how, how did, you know, how does the aftermath of war like actually affect soldiers when yeah. he was writing this? So that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Another thing I've no this is, I was surprised at, um, I mean, it's probably, you can tell by how we're talking about it, but this is like a really great performance by Nick Cage. Yeah. And it's early in his career. It's his like, let me see, one, two, three, four, five. This is his sixth movie Yeah. ever. Um, and he has the lead role, basically. And I've noticed a lot of these like early movies really. I think it's because this was before he like cleaned up his look yeah. with his eyebrows and his teeth. They really a lot of these early movies really like lean into like the Italianness of mm-hmm. Nick Cage in the way a lot of his like later movies don't really. Yeah, they, um, he, his name is Colombato in this Alfonso movie. Colombato. Alfonso Colombato. He's from um, an Italian family. Yeah, and Moonstruck is similar, you know. Um, but yeah, a lot of these like 80s movies really like lean into it, which is interesting. Well, he doesn't um, really look Italian once he gets older, but when he's younger, he does. Yeah, because he like, he, you know, he doesn't have like the unibrow anymore, really. Yeah, once he, he gets his teeth a... fixed too, his his face is wider. It's no longer as narrow as it was whenever he was a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought that was interesting. So this, the director, before we move on in this film, was Alan Parker. And, uh, he died just a couple months ago, didn't he? Uh, I'm not sure, but I will say that most of his movies were like movies about artists. Um, so I- Pink Floyd, all of their movies, Madonna's movies. Um, so like music artists. Um, he also was the director of Mississippi Burning in 1988, which is a pretty decent film. Yeah, he died on July 31st of this year. Oh, wow. Yep, so very recently. Um, 
Yeah, I don't. I've not seen any of his other movies. I know Mississippi Burning is supposed to be excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not I mean, seen it's it. got Willem Dafoe and mm-hmm. um, love Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Yes. And I don't know who that other person is. Gene Hackman. Yeah, Gene Hackman. Um, but yeah, I know he's the director of Mississippi Burning, which is also a very I, I um I've seen it once, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it's a very dark film as well, and so I think maybe outside of his, I guess, music documentaries, um, he, you know, Birdie and Mississippi Burning, which both came out pretty close to each other in 1988 and 1984, um, both very dark films, and the, he, you know, there was a lot of emotional range in this film I, that I liked a lot. Yeah. So um, there's also the scene where. Uh, uh, Nick Cage's dad sells their car um, and then Birdie is like it's kind of what we talked about before he like stands like Al doesn't want to like confront his father about selling the car mm-hmm. without his permission but Birdie is like going after him like yelling at him they're like screaming at each other and Nick Cage is just like uh, yeah so you see kind of Nick Cage's relationship with his father isn't the best yeah uh, again uh, there's also the scene after after they get arrested for quote unquote stealing the car and like the Nick Cage's parents uh, bail him out of jail, uh, you, there's a scene where they're getting into the their car mm-hmm. and Nick Cage is like sobbing in the back seat and like his his father like slaps him I think or something right? yeah uh, so he's just like sobbing in the back seat and it's like really it's kind of sad. Brady looks up at this guy and he says, "What do you think those birds are thinking he, about us like, as they're looking down?" The dad's like, "Shut up, I don't care." <laughs> yeah, but you know, yeah, it's like. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I was surprised at how good he is in this movie. Yeah. Just playing the different nuances, like the fun-loving teen and like the heavier uh, stuff later on. Yeah, Um, and Nicolas Cage and his bandages in the hospital at this moment. You never see him. He never takes off the bandages in this part of the movie. Yeah. He just just has bandages on the whole time. Yeah, and Um, he's like, I was never able to stand up to my old man the way that you did. Um, And I thought that was very sweet. Yeah. Uh, so I think the next big thing that happens is Birdie gets like those uh, gets a canary yes, named well, what's the name of the bird he gets he gets a few as the movie goes but along. he gets like the first one he gets uh, it's like Petra or I think it, let it's me, Perda 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 so he gets this beautiful yellow canary um, so this is uh, from the Roger Ebert review of this film um, we see the adventures they shared the secrets the dreams. Most importantly, we go inside Birdie's life and begin to glimpse the depth of his obsession with birds. His room turns into a birdcage. His special pets, including a cocky little canary, take on individual characteristics for us. We can begin to understand that his love for birds is sensual, romantic, passionate. There's a wonderful scene right after he gets the canary where he brushes his fingers against a feather, showing how marvelously it is constructed and how beautifully. So he's playing with his uh, ornithopter. Ornithopter is a mechanical device that uses flapping wings in order to operate. Yeah. Um, He uses his ornithopter. He's like playing with it and he grabs the canary's wing and just brushes his finger across it. And he's like staring at her. He's like in love with this bird. And is that, and then it goes right from that to like his presentation in class, right? Yeah. Where the ornithopter is flying around the room and he Mm -hmm. has like a, he has a feather he's like explaining how birds feathers work which is kind of interesting yeah and there's one girl in the class who's like super into all this yeah she's like like staring at him yeah Yeah. and while the rest of class 
I don't they seem into like the thing as it's flying around but then after it crashes they start like laughing at him yeah and then it's like oh, I was confused by that and like then after they leave class Nick Cage is like screw those guys man they don't they don't get it yeah um but see, they seemed into it when it was like flying and he was explaining I don't know yeah he also said that um he was like oh yeah that girl was into you or whatever and he was like I'm not really interested in that which yeah. we see later on when he goes to prom with the same girl and like she takes off her shirt and he literally just like he's like, like inspects them like he like a, flicks it her tit like literally just like touches it a little bit and then it's very like, clinical he's just like yeah <laughs> and then she puts her bra back on she's like well i'm sorry i'll just take you home and then he gets naked and gets in the bird cage and just lays naked in the bird cage and has like this sensual moment with the bird where he like holds it close to his face and he says that that moment he began to fly yeah. which he like was able to escape his mind and his experience and like get away from that and fly away yeah um oh we forgot the scene with the dogs well, I mean, we're just kind of going all over the place. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so there's a scene where uh, it's like they they go help out like a dog catcher or something at one point named uh, Sugisa. So in my notes at the start of the scene, because he's just like this big fat Italian man who's just like kind of goofy. In my notes I wrote Sugisa rules before the scene took the t- took took the turn it takes. Um, so they capture all these dogs. Um, there's a funny part where like there's this like little puppy and the, like, there's all these bigger dogs that are around and then Sagisa is like, I'll get this mean one. He's obviously the leader and it's like this little puppy. It's <laughs> pretty funny. Um, they're these giant nets. Yeah. They, they, it, cap, they capture all the dogs. Um, they're driving. They're driving off and then like one of the owners of one of the dogs like is starts chasing them in his car. Like, what the fuck? Give me back my dog. Um, turns out what they're doing is going to i think it's like it's a like a it's a slaughterhouse, slaughterhouse for like horse food which no for dog food using horses and dogs to make dog food well i know a lot of horse like horse food is was in the past like made from dog meat that's why that's they didn't what. feed horse horses are herbivores dog food was made from horse meat they said you're horse. right yes no yeah that's right. Yes. It was really emotionally scarring for me. They had like these corpses of these dogs. They had dead horses. Yeah. They had. Uh... And to be clear, I don't know for sure. Obviously, I could not find any information about this, but I don't. They did not actually kill any animals during this scene. I don't think that's true. Again, I mean, you can, I, I would say before we throw that accusation around, I would note that there's, there was nothing in my research of this movie that indicated there was any like controversy about that being a thing because there were, there are movies where at that, like at this time or earlier where it was like a controversy, controversy that they actually like killed animals. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust is the one that comes to mind immediately for me. Um, where it was like a big deal. Um, and again, I don't know for sure, but I feel like if it was a thing that that would be a known. I hope they didn't. That's again, it, it's hard to tell. I mean, there's like that movie magic, baby, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, it's a, it, it's 
Oh, yeah. So I, was, I put into my notes at the start of the scene, Sagisa rules. And then my immediate note after that was Sagisa betrayed me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like him anymore. But yeah, then it's Birdie and Al don't realize that that's what this is for on their way there. Yeah. When they get there, they're like, what the fuck is this? And they free the dogs. They free the, the dogs. dogs. The dogs are fine. The dogs are fine. Yeah. So um, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's meant to be an upsetting scene. And it and it is. There are moments where Nicolas Cage's character, when he's telling these stories, is getting through to Birdie, and you can see him smile when he tells the story. And there's also like things like where uh, there's like a, this one like desperate way to try to get him back. He tells the doctor, "Hey, um, you know, I, can you get the baseballs from his mother that she was taking from the baseball field?" Mm-hmm. Um, so later on, the baseballs are shipped to uh, the hospital, and uh, before this, we see this fight between Nicolas Cage and uh, and uh, Birdie in the in Birdie's bedroom, where Birdie comes out like it's after the cage. it's after the prom. It's after the it's prom. The, the morning after. He's like, "Oh, you did you have a good time with your lady?" And he was like, "No, I flew last night." And he was like, he like got dressed. He was like, he walked in while he was naked in the bird and, cage. And Al has had it basically, and he kind of like loses it. He's, he's like, like, "You need okay, to stop with this. this bird shit." Yeah, like, okay, enough. Like, knock it off. You need to like sort, yeah, yeah. And so um, he basically says, "I'm done." He leaves, and then Birdie, like, we see like an emotional scene where Birdie's like saying goodbye to Nicolas Cage, and he's walking away in his like um, army uniform and getting onto a bus and leaving. Well, yeah, he Birdie's in his like in his bedroom, just looking at him, watching him leave through the window, um, and then, um, what's the bird's name? The canary. Pa- per. Perda. 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 Uh, escapes out yeah. the window and is like flying it flies and past following Nicolas Cage yeah and then like it uh Birdie is like come back come back and then it comes back and it crashes through the window and, and she dies which is symbolic to a degree because it's well, like yeah it's... their friendship died his bird died yeah so sad um so he goes to Vietnam we see a scene where he they yeah. both throughout throughout the movie we see kind of flashes of vietnam but this is i guess where you get more this is the first time we see birdies getting hurt yeah but you see what happens to nick cage like he's carrying like one of his other soldiers and then like a shell goes off in his face and like his face is like covered in blood yeah and like that's why he has the bandages on in like the present day timeline yeah but Um, birdie was actually flying in a helicopter so he was flying which is so ironic is that he crashed he flew out he was the only one who survived yeah his helicopter crashes and he's like it's like it's really an intense scene because like he's it's like really close on his face and he has like blood on his face and he's like dirt between his teeth Mm -hmm. and he's like just screaming for like so long and it's like it's like scary it's yeah the scene was really like powerful and yeah he sees a like a bird it's like a toucan it's not a toucan but it's like a Mm -hmm. similar looking bird and then it he kind of watches it and then they all fly away as an explosion happens. And, and then he start then he starts screaming. But um, that's whenever he like, I guess, goes into himself, goes into like, yeah, his like current state. Yeah. Um, But back in the present day timeline, a briefcase arrives full of baseballs, full of the, the baseballs that were buried in the yard. Um, and then this is that initially doesn't really do anything. Mm hmm. And well, then, Dr. Wise was going to make Nicolas Cage leave and go back and leave Bernie at the hospital. Yeah, and I think uh, they get into this a bit. Like, Nick Cage's concern is that the longer he stays there, he's worried that they're going to make him, not going to let him leave because of his, like, own 
mental his, his own trauma from the war um so he's like he like he's like i need you to help me birdie because like if i don't help you they're gonna put it they're gonna keep us both in here forever basically yeah. um and then it's at this point where birdie kind of finally starts to like I mean, he's like you've always been of, stupid Al. Oh, you're always been full of shit. You've always been full of shit, Al. He's like, what was that? He's like, did you talk? And he (laughs) starts crying. He's like, he he talked, he talked, and then Birdie doesn't say anything to the doctor, and the doctor's like, what do you mean he talked to you? And then he like, the doctor leaves again, and then Al is like, Birdie, what the fuck? He's like, I didn't have anything to say to him. (laughs) Um, and then you know, honestly, the doctor, yeah, go ahead. The doctor is like, okay, you're staying. We're gonna, you know, get him out of here. Get him out of here. And then, and then Nick Cage like Nicholas pushes Cage him. Nick Cage and Birdie run. Yeah, well, they, Nick Cage pushes the main doctor guy, and then like he runs away, and then like some of the orderlies come to try to like subdue him. Yeah, and Nicholas then they, Cage he, like beats he fights him up. them off. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're at the end of the movie. Um, yeah, so I'm not gonna tell you guys how exactly. How it yeah, ends. I, Nicholas Cage I, and Birdie run away. I mean, we can. We can give a spoiler warning, but like I would recommend this movie is streaming on Amazon Prime right now. You should just watch it. I would it. recommend watching it because we're going to spoil the very final moments, but it's like it's I don't want to spoil the very ending. You don't okay. Yeah, let's not. Um it's it ends on a very a very funny note. It's like um it kind of calls back the earlier scene where Birdie jumps off of the thing at the beginning and hurts himself. It's kind of a callback to that, but it ends in a much different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not going to get into it, so stop. I'm not. I'm not going to say it. But no, it's a, no, it's but a, you're giving too much away. No, I'm not. It's fine. It's a very nice ending, and it ends the movie on kind of a positive, uplifting note. Do you want to get into the um, um, reception of this? Yeah, so this movie... Um, budget of 12 million dollars it only made 1.4 million at the box office so it was seemingly uh kind of a flop but it, it received a lot of positive reception it won it won some awards at like film festivals um it was chosen by the national board of review as one of the top 10 films of 1984 it won the grand prix special uh de jury fuck uh prize at the at the 1985 con film festival so it was positive, positively received at the time, but just didn't Critically, really... Critically, but not yeah. in the box office. Yeah, so yeah. this has an 85% tomato meter and 84% um, audience score um, on t- uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 7.3 out of 10 um, on IMDb and a 71 Metascore. Um, I, I wanted to talk about... Um, Actually, I'll talk about the music after this. So we're gonna try a kind of a new segment. It's just like the other. Well, one. Do we want to go through our like our rating? Oh yes. Our ratings. Um. So. So for commitment, um, for Birdie, uh, on the part of Nick Cage, I gave it a four out of five. I gave it a five. Fair enough. Um, Pathos, I gave a four point five out of five. Four point five. Uh, overall quality, I gave a four out of five. I gave it a five. Yeah, I figured you you. You love this movie. I like it a lot. I think it's really great. Um, I really my love this main, movie. I guess, really my only real criticism is I think it's a little long. I feel like some stuff could have been. No, I think. I that don't it, know. I think. I think it drags a bit in certain parts for me. Um, but this that's is like it's one a of very, my favorite movies of all time. For real. Yeah. No, I'd watch this again. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's yeah. I have very few real complaints about it. Uh, so Cage's contribution, I gave it a four out of five. Yep. Um, I gave it a five. Okay. Cage Factor, I gave it a 3.5 out of five. I gave it a 4.75. Uh, 
Okay. He doesn't have that many, quote, like, cagey moments, really. Yeah, he does. He has the um, titty moment. He has the... Okay, yeah, that's true. He has a couple moments where he comes out of his box. I, my overall score was a, a 4.85. Um, my hair report was a 9. And my overall consensus was, one word, fantastic. My overall score was a 4 out of 5. So, I don't know. Maybe I can... Hmm. You know, I'm going to bump the cage factor up to four. So let me see what my new overall score will be from that. So so that's a 4.1. 4.1 now is my final score for Birdie. Um, yeah, this is a movie that I think would be worth revisiting for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Yeah, and I would recommend just, just watching it. Okay, um, so our new segment. Yes, before we decide which movie will be moving on, even though I think it might be pretty clear at this point, but what is the new segment? Um, so we have a... Um, we There weren't really a lot of reviews on either of these films, and that's kind of what our segment usually is. And so this right. is going to be really similar to our segment, except for instead of trying to figure out what review matches the movie, you have to figure out which of these... like. I'm going to play a song, 15 seconds of a song, and you have to guess which film the song is in. Okay, I know Peter Gabriel did a lot of the music for Birdie. So, we'll see. And we don't need to play 15 seconds. Oh, just as long as it takes for me to figure it out, I guess. Okay, so... I'm going to say Birdie for this one. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's okay. correct. That's one. Next. I mean, this is like 40s, so I'm going to say Racing with the Moon. That's correct. It's two. I mean, this is Racing with the Moon. This is really easy. (laughs) Well, there's no reviews. Let's keep going. This is Birdie. (laughs) really this is this sucks it doesn't help that racing with moon takes place in the 40s so you can tell what you know yeah 40s music (laughs) yeah damn okay it's fine (laughs) so we're basically just hearing a sampling of music from both movies now is what this is I really like the music in Birdie. It's, you know, Peter Gabriel did the... This is this is Birdie. Okay, so Peter, Peter Gabriel, uh, yeah. as you guys know, is the uh, original lead singer of Genesis. Yeah. Um, Everyone knows Peter Gabriel. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, maybe Zoomers like you don't know Peter Gabriel. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so Peter Gabriel did all actually all the music for Birdie. Yeah. Um, and we can actually cut that entire segment if you want to. I no, just wanted I, to kind okay. of... Cut forward to um, wh- who who won this? Yeah, I wanted to do this a little bit differently, though, instead of just counting down and saying at the same time. I think we should maybe give like a closing argument as to which we think, like the reasons we think whatever movie should win, and then say what movie you think should win. So, um, I think the Birdie should win because it has a lot of emotional range, mm-hmm. and it. 
um it's very touching and it takes you on a journey of these two people's lives and it's not just like over the span of six weeks but it's like over the span of years mm-hmm. and it just really um makes you attached to the characters and really invested in their story um i liked it a lot yeah um so the thing with racing with the moon it's enjoyable enough like i would s- describe it as like solid yeah i would you know? i mean i would tell you to watch either of these movies they're both really good yeah, but I mean, as far as the movie itself, Birdie is more visually interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more confident, you know, it's fun. in its in its direction than Racing with the Moon is. Um, and as far as Nick, the you know Nick Cage goes, he is the lead basically of Birdie, mm-hmm. um, and he's doing a lot more interesting things. He has more to play with in Birdie, um, even though he is really fun in Racing with the Moon. Um, he has those hilarious scenes where he's drunk and talking about um, what tattoos he wants, um, doing weird pelvic thrusts. Um, there's lots of fun stuff in it, but um, I think, yeah, I think uh, Birdie is the pretty clear winner in this. Yeah. In this case. I think so, too. So, I mean, that's that's it. So Birdie, Birdie, won. Birdie will be moving on. Um, it's an excellent movie. Everyone should check out. Um, and that's going to do it for this episode. Um, do you want to say what, what matchup is next? Do you want to just pick something? Yeah, I'm going to pick something. Okay. So while, while you're going, while you're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and say thank you, uh, Mastodon for our intro music. And thank you Colors Odyssey or Color Saudi on Twitter for our, uh, new art. Yes. And you can follow me on Twitter at the good Logan. And you can follow me on Twitter at generally done. And go ahead and let us know what we'll be covering in our next episode. Uh, I okay. I'm gonna give you a choice. Yeah. We can either do a score to settle versus Con Air, mm. or we can do Cotton Club versus Wild at Heart. I think we should do a score to settle versus Con Air because I have, I need to buy a Wild at Heart. I want to buy it, so I need to. Okay, so. You can go ahead. So I think, yeah, next our next episode is going to be a score to settle versus Con Air. So you can go ahead and join us for that. In the meantime, um, thank you very much for listening. And, and stay cagey, baby. That's right. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>